uh, some friends of mine had got in contact with a lady who was needing to leave her home because of domestic abuse. And while they helped her get a, a house that she could be in, uh, she had nothing to fill the house with. And so my friends uh, took action and just put a post on a local community Facebook page for where they live. They explained very briefly what was happening and what was needed and listed almost 20 items of things this lady would need to be able to support herself in this house, from fridges to beds to crockery to cleaning products. Within 24 hours, nearly every single item on that list had been offered. And not only that, but someone had offered to pay for a truck so they could go around and collect all the items and deliver it to the lady. And those who didn't have anything to offer but wanted to help had also offered to purchase groceries so that she could fill her pantry when she arrived. And as I saw this unfold through my friends and on the Facebook page, it filled me with so much joy and so much hope that there is goodness in our world. And this is just a general community, wasn't a faith community. They, all these people were not Christians, they weren't believers in Jesus, but people had a desire to help and to show love and to show generosity. And it was so nice to see that in that one moment. Because let's be honest, so much of our world is missing this love and this generosity. And so often in our world, we see the hurt and the pain and the grief and the sin that pervades our whole creation. Because on the flip side, you don't have to dig too deep to see the opposite. In fact, a couple of years ago, in the last time that they estimated, there are nearly 50 million people in our world today who live in modern slavery. Nearly 50 million people. And we don't have to look too far across the waters. We can look within our own country. It's estimated that there are over 45 thousand children who live in out-of-home care just in our country alone. These are children and youth who no longer have a safe place to live in their own homes. And so they have to move and live in other homes or other institutions. And unfortunately, from my understanding and experience of out-of-home care, these children have already suffered abuse to be in this position. There are things in our world, in our country, that break our heart. And we see over and over how sin and grief and pain evades our whole world. And not just in these really massive ways, 
But we don't have to look too far, right? We don't have to look even further than our nose to realize that in our own lives, so often we make the wrong choices. We choose to honor ourselves rather than other people. We choose greed and selfishness. We choose gossip and hate. And as we look across our own lives and across the lives of our neighbors and our friends and our families and our communities, we can't help but see that there is sin and grief and loss in our own world. In fact, in Romans chapter 3, it says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. This glory of God that God desired for every single one of us to partake in. As we looked last week at the cross, meaning the ransom that Jesus paid to free us from slavery. Tim spoke on this so incredibly. I've listened to the sermon twice. If you need to go back and listen to it again, each time you can get more from it. To have an understanding that all have sinned. We all need this ransom. We all need this price paid for us. And as we head towards Easter in this season of Lent, as we are physically pointing ourselves towards the cross, we're wanting to mentally, emotionally and spiritually point our lives towards the cross as well. And in doing so today, we're going to focus on the cross being justice, the justice to our world. For we remember that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. This is something that every single person here, we don't have to point fingers, we all know. It says, for all have sinned and fall short. And this glory of God, that God desired for us to share in his glory. As we read in Genesis, he walked amongst all of creation. With Adam and Eve, he was with them, he invited them in. It was meant to be this perfect union between God and people, this incredible relationship in enjoying the glory of God personally, intimately. The glory of God in creation, the glory of God between Adam and Eve, between humans themselves, this incredible glory of what we can imagine heaven to be like. God desired for us to have that with him. But when Adam and Eve chose to eat the fruit, when they chose to build up their own power rather than that having that righteousness with God, sin came into our world and has carried on, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Charles Moll speaks of uh, this glory. He an, was an English uh, priest, Anglican priest and theologian. When he speaks of the glory of God, he says this. 
the harlot, the liar, the murderer are short of it. But so are you. Perhaps they stand at the bottom of a mine and you on the crest of an alp, but you are as little able to touch the stars as they. Doesn't this just bring to reality how far we fall from the glory of God? The glory that God still offers us, but because of sin and our fallenness and our choice to put ourselves first, over and over again, we fall so short. And it's easy for us to judge and for us to put things on other people. Well, they're far shorter than it than I am, right? But when you look at it in this picture with this imagery, how short we all are to reaching that glory because of the sin in our own lives. And so today, as we focus on the cross, the cross bringing justice, it reminds us that even though we all sin and fall short of God's glory, that the cross of justice connects us through Jesus Christ, to the glory of God. Because if we think of God, he is a God of justice. We read about it all through the Old Testament. It's said over and over, he is a God of justice. In Deuteronomy 32, where uh, Moses is writing uh, a song given to him by God about all that God is, it says, he's the rock, his works are perfect, and all his ways are just. A faithful God who does no wrong, upright and just is he. And if you think of the flip side of a God who is not just, that is a God you would not want to contend with. Imagine a God who was not just, who handed out punishments according to whatever he felt like at the time, that no matter what someone had done, that he just dealt out a consequence that he wanted to deal out, that he felt he wanted to serve. That is a God with great power, but one to be feared and to be truly afraid of. But imagine a God as well without justice, who just forgave left, right and centre, who didn't call people to account for what they had done. That feels like a God who is unloving who is uncaring, who has no empathy for the victim. Robert Deffenbaugh says this about God's justice. God must maintain his absolute justice by punishing all sin. An unjust God would not be God at all. There's the rub. If God must punish all sin to maintain his absolute justice, how then can he forgive sinners? If a human judge started showing love by pardon, pardoning murderers and terrorists and rapists, we'd say, wait a minute, this is horrible. He's not upholding justice. 
So if we worship a God of justice, if we believe that our God is upright and just and holds people to account, then what does that mean for us? What does that mean as we enter into each day fully aware that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God? Now, if you are a parent or a teacher in education, if you've dealt with children in in any way, I know for us as parents, we always try and have a natural consequence for whatever has taken place. And boy, have we had lots of things take place in our home with a number of different children who have come into our homes and been in our care. One of my favourites was when the principal of the school called up uh, with our primary school child who was in our care and mentioned that this boy had turned up to the canteen with a $20 note. How lucky was he? Now, this was quite unusual behaviour for this child, any child in our family. And so the principal called me to see whether this was supposed to have happened. And I laughed to myself and out loud and explained, no, that we had not given this grade one child $20 to go and spend at the canteen. And so she, uh, she apologised for calling again and having to draw it to my attention. And she recommended that uh, I, I go and check my wallet for where the $20 had come from. And I took a deep breath and I appreciated her for calling me, for letting me know about it and for suggesting that I check my wallet. But you see, in all the children we had in care through our home, Never, ever did we have to hide our wallets. Never, ever did they steal from us. And so while I assured the principal that I would be checking my wallet, I encouraged her to maybe talk to some of her staff and see if perhaps they were 20 bucks short from their wallet. Unfortunately, uh, this boy's teacher discovered that she was a little short And so we paid the teacher back. But the feeling of anger and hurt and embarrassment that this had happened from a child in our care, I was filled with so much emotion. I just wanted to remove everything from this child, right? It's like, you're going to bed early, you're going to be grounded, you've got to pay it back, there's no dessert, like your favourite toy is going, like there's no screen time. When you're filled with that emotion, you just want to remove everything. Surely not in your household, it's just in mine, right? But once the anger subsided and I was able to take a few deep breaths, it's then exploring what is a natural consequence so that he can learn, so that he knows that it's not okay, and so that he suffers the consequence of what had happened. And so, seeing we had had to pay the teacher back, He, when he came home, had to do certain jobs around the house to earn money so that he could pay us back. A natural consequence of what he had done. 
And so when you apply this to all of humanity, that we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, what is the natural consequence? Well, as we look at a number of passages in Romans, the Apostle Paul helps us outline the importance of the cross and God upholding justice. We read in Romans 6, for the wages of sin is death. The consequence of our sin is death. It was a death between the close relationship between God and humanity. When sin came into the world, it was a death even within creation itself. As even now creation groans under the weight of the sin and death. It was a death between understanding between humanity itself. And we see it over and over again with the breakdown of relationships and friendships and families. The wages of sin is death. Therefore, for a just God to uphold his justice, surely the natural consequence of the death that we ushered into the world and continue to usher into the world through our sin the natural consequence is for us to suffer death, for us to live in that broken relationship, for us not to have eternal life, but to have a death that is separated from God and from each other and from creation. But our God is not just a God of justice, but he is a God of mercy. And Stephen Cole, who is an American pastor and theologian, says this, Also in mercy, God provides the way to satisfy his wrath and be reconciled to him. He slaughtered an animal and provided their skins to clothe Adam and Eve. He told Noah to build the ark to preserve his family and him from the flood. He provided the ram so that Abraham did not have to sacrifice Isaac. He gave detailed instructions to Moses about the sacrificial system. Again, over and over and over, God provides us with mercy, provides us with a way of being made right before him when we have all sinned and fall short of his glory. You see, we read a lot in the Old Testament, the majority of the Old Testament, and even into the New, this understanding of a sacrificial system. See, God gave the Israelites a law when they weren't sure how to, to live and live with, it, with each other. He gave them a law that they could abide by. But even with it written out in stone for them, even still, they sinned and fell short. And so he provided a sacrificial opportunity for them to be made right before God. We hear about uh, animals sacrificed on a regular basis. And then in Jewish tradition, they had the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur, as the Jewish people call it. This Day of Atonement where they would take two goats and they would slaughter one goat 
and with its blood, the high priest would enter into the holy of holies, just him. He was the only one able to enter in. And he would sprinkle the blood on the top of the altar, on top of the Ark of the Covenant, on the mercy seat, it was called. And as he sprinkled the blood, it was an atonement for the people's sin. With the second goat, they would lay, a priest would lay his hand on the goat and symbolically place all of the sins of the people onto that goat. And then they would take the goat out and release it into the wilderness as a symbolic way of showing that the sins of the people were no more and were forgotten. The wages of sin was death. And so through this death, the death of the goat, the people were made right before God. In Leviticus, after this was explained, it says, For the life of a creature is in the blood, and I have given it to you to make atonement for yourselves on the altar. It is the blood that makes atonement for one's life. But if we think of a God of justice, and if we think of all that sin and all of the death that sin has brought into our world, does a goat really cut it? Does the sacrifice of an animal really cut it? Does that cover the sins of all? Well, they would have to keep doing this on a regular basis, but even still, Surely a God of justice would uphold justice so well that even he knows that the sacrifice of a goat couldn't possibly cover the sins of all people. These sacrificial actions that they took was but a signpost, was but a signpost of what was to come. That the wages of sin is truly death. And all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But the passages don't stop there. Romans 3 goes on to share with us the hope of our world. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came By Christ Jesus, God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance, he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. We had no ability to suffer the full consequence of our sin. Jesus Christ, the only one on earth who actually maintained the glory of God, who was without sin and who showed love and mercy 
and grace and healing and God's power here on earth. He was the only one who could fully take on the punishment of what sin had done and continues to do in our world. And he stepped into that freely in partnership with God to maintain God's justice, but also willing to be the one who was punished. The NIV Bible Dictionary says it like this, in the eternal counsels of the Trinity, Jesus offered himself to bear our sins. He voluntarily emptied himself of the divine trappings of omnipotence, all power, omniscience, all knowledge and glory that he might be truly human, becoming the babe of Bethlehem. For some 33 years, he perfectly fulfilled the law on our behalf and then paid the penalty for our sins in his death for us on the cross. A true God of justice who held only to justice. That should have been us on the cross. We should have paid the consequence for our sins and our actions and our wrongdoing and our gossip and our hate and our greed and our selfishness. We should have paid the consequence. That should have been us on the cross. But Jesus, Jesus stepped willingly onto earth from the glory of heaven to a babe in Bethlehem, willingly giving up all of heaven's glory to come and live, show us how to live, and then ultimately to die such a gruesome death that should have been ours, that we should have suffered the consequence that was ours, he took on. And as we look to the cross in the lead up to Easter, how can we so flippantly ask for forgiveness when Jesus sacrificed everything so that we could be made right with God? John Bunyan, who is best known for his writing of Pilgrim's Progress, wrote a number of books. And as he read this passage from Romans 3, explaining that we all fall short of the glory of God, but Jesus was willing to take the consequence upon himself so that God maintains justice and yet takes that punishment. He says this, As I was walking up and down in the house, as a man in a most woeful state, That word of God took hold of my heart. Ye are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. But oh, what a turn it made upon me. Now was I as one awakened out of some troublesome sleep and dream and listening to this heavenly sentence, I was as if I had heard it thus expounded to me. 
sinner. Thou thinkest that because of thy sins and infirmities, I cannot save thy soul. But behold, my son is by me, and upon him I look, and not on thee, and will deal with thee according as I am pleased with him. This is the gift that we have received. This is the gift that is freely given to every single person. That when God looks upon us, he does not see the sin and the wrongdoing and the brokenness and the broken relationships. But because of Jesus' incredible sacrifice on the cross, he looks at us through Jesus Christ. And through that lens, he loves us and gives us mercy and grace because our punishment has already been paid. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. As we truly allow that to sink into our hearts and our minds, how can we not give praise and glory and honour to Jesus Christ who is willing, who is willing to go to the cross for us? What an incredible sacrifice. And as we take on board that incredible sacrifice, how can we not desire to want to step into that glory that God offers us? by asking for the forgiveness of our sins so that we can be made right before God, not because of anything that we have done, but because what Jesus has already done on the cross. So as a response to God who upholds his justice, but a God who has such incredible mercy that he was willing to take the place himself for our punishment. We're going to come into a time of communion at the foot of the cross as a reminder of the incredible sacrifice that Jesus made when it should have been us suffering the consequences. It was Jesus who took the price for us. And so as we come into a time of communion, we're going to share in some liturgy, some, uh, some time of prayer. Not only that, it's an opportunity for us to stop and reflect personally. What does the cross mean for you today? For you to have a right relationship with God, Jesus has suffered the penalty. And so how do we come and ask forgiveness for the things that we do wrong? Asking knowing that Jesus has already paid the price, but asking for forgiveness so that we are reminded of the price he paid 
and so that we are able to accept the grace that he has given. So as we approach the table where we receive the elements, let us put aside our boasting and remember that we have all sinned and that we all fall short of the glory of God. Just take a moment now to come before God personally in honest personal confession. We're all going to pray together in a prayer of confession and forgiveness. And I encourage you to join with me in the bold as we all say together. And then later on, there'll just be a few things in bold. So let's pray together. Lord of all, the demands of your righteousness are too hard for us to fulfill. So we rush off an excuse, and ignore your law of love. You forgive our iniquity and remember our sin no more. Yet we too easily abuse this freedom as if it were a license to selfishness, self-indulgence, and self-righteousness. You give us the gift of grace, atonement by the blood of your Son, this precious gift, which is too great for words, yet we so often treat it with disregard. We fail to see the power of your faithfulness and mercy. We are your people, but do we know you as our God? Forgive us, Lord, the sins we have committed against you and against our neighbours for our cold hearts and our selfish deeds. God of our refuge and strength, have mercy on us. Write your law on our hearts. Amen. God shows us time and again the power of his righteousness and love. Through the work of the Holy Spirit given to us, may we come to know the truth and be made free. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, paid the debt we could not pay. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, offered himself as a sacrifice to satisfy the demands of justice and set us free from the penalty of sin. By faith, our sins are forgiven. Through his death and resurrection, a place is made for us in the household of God because we are now children of God. To the glory of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Friends, as we come to a time of communion, let us remember that the body and the blood of Jesus Christ was given to us as the forgiveness of sins and the freedom from the curse of the law. 
everyone is invited. Everyone is open to receive this free gift. And if you choose to come forward to take the emblems that represent his body broken and his blood shed, it is but a sign of your connection, your action of faith. As you believe that Jesus Christ was God's son and that he paid the price and the punishment that should have been on our shoulders. As you come forward, we encourage you to take this time to reflect on what this sacrifice truly means to you. There'll be people at the front here that will give you the biscuit and then we encourage you to take the juice at the bottom of the cross. And as you come forward, once you have the elements, we encourage you to go back to your seats and take the elements in your own time as you reflect on the incredible sacrifice that Jesus made for you. There will be ushers at the front that will let your row know when to move forward. So as we do so, God, we thank you for the incredible sacrifice you gave. We ask for forgiveness for all that we do wrong. And we rejoice in the gift that you freely gave to uphold your justice, but to share your mercy with each one of us. We pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.